You know, the story of when these four friends bring their friend who is paralyzed to Jesus is an amazing story of love and faith. These four friends, as we learned, went to great lengths to make sure that their friend made personal contact with Jesus Christ. They wanted him and they desired for him to come before Jesus. And as we see, there was a great sense of urgency. And they did everything in their power to make sure the man who needed Jesus' touch was given every opportunity to be healed today. Not tomorrow, not later on even in the afternoon or whenever it was in the day, time of day. It was now. But they weren't the only ones that that were there in that home on that day. There were others and the whole reason why they couldn't get in through the front door was because of the crowd that had gathered There were others present that day. There were Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, according to verse 17. And so you have these Pharisees and we have these teachers who were there to listen, but it was for their own reasons. And this is what I was telling you. Consider why it is that you have come to gather, to listen to God's word, to worship. What are you here Perhaps to ask or to petition, intercede? Are you here truly to worship the Lord? Because these Pharisees and these teachers were there for a completely different reason than were the four friends in the paralyzed man. Most likely these men were there to criticize Jesus' teaching, knowing that he was gaining popularity with the people. With the teaching of his of his word and the healings that he was performing. The report was was spreading throughout the whole land. These two groups are there to meet with Jesus, but they are there for two entirely different reasons. One is there to look for a reason to confirm their disbelief, and the other group to be further confirmed in their belief. One is looking for a mistake, and the other is looking for a touch. Perhaps, if we think about it, we do something similar. One person listens to the teaching of God's word with skepticism, looking for something that will further establish their disbelief. While another person listens with believing and discerning ears, expecting to be ministered to in some way by the eternal word of God. But we uh, need to notice and pay attention To what Jesus did in this situation. You see the focal point is not the four friends. The focal point is not even the paralyzed man. And certainly not the Pharisees and the teachers that came from the surrounding areas in Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. You see, Jesus ministered to the paralyzed man further established this man's friend's faith. Gave powerful proof of his power and authority. And the impact that this had on all of them, according to verse 26, is that they were amazed, having been seized by that amazement, and went away glorifying God, filled with awe, saying, 
we have seen extraordinary things today. One thing that was common with all the people who were there is that Jesus desired that they would know, each and every one of them, that he is the Son of God, and he has the power and authority to forgive sins, because that is what will deliver a person from eternal condemnation in hell, through Christ alone. So the question this morning as we go into this portion of Scripture is is one for you personally. Did you come here expecting to hear something that will minister to your heart? Maybe to hear something that you didn't know you needed because you know that God is faithful and doesn't waste a single moment. Even those who question Jesus in their hearts were confronted with something so that they would know that Jesus indeed has the authority to forgive sins. They were not there for that. But Jesus knew that that was the very thing that they needed in the moment. Are you open to that? Perhaps you came expecting one thing, and yet God knows your heart Better than you do. Are you submitted to that? Are you open to that? To receive that? What is it that the Lord wants to do in my life right now? I may be requesting one thing. I may be thinking I need another thing. But the Lord has something for you. Are are you open to that? You see, they could listen for hours to Jesus' teaching, but if they didn't believe that He is the Messiah and confess Him as Lord and Savior, it really wouldn't matter at all. Verse 17, again, it says, On one of those days as He was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Him to heal The Pharisees, um, well, they were a very religious group of men who focused on a detailed obedience to the law of Moses, but much more than just the law of Moses. They actually embellished upon the law of Moses and put many burdens on the people as they required them to observe all these additional details in order for them to deem them equally loved by God. The name Pharisee itself means separated ones. And they would go to great lengths to separate themselves, to make a distinction between them and the common person in the ways that I had previously stated. Everything outside of that would be considered by them as being unholy and therefore unloved by God. These Pharisees and teachers of the law came from all over. And they came to hear Jesus teach. Again, not because they were there to glean something from him, but because of the popularity that he was gaining with the people. And we know for a fact because of the way that they questioned him and the the manner in which they doubted him that they were there with critical hearts. The Gospels, all three, uh, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
all record this event. But what Jesus taught was not recorded in any of them. What is recorded is what Jesus did and what he said after. Perhaps that is what we ought to be paying attention to ourselves if that is what is highlighted in all three of the Gospels. That is indeed what should bring our atten- we should bring our attention to, that focal point. We are told here that Jesus had the power to heal present. Well, that was uh, brought to our attention, but when is it that the Son of God didn't have the power to heal? The reason why it's brought to our attention is because it's preparing us for what's to come. He has the ability to teach. He has the authority and power to heal as well. Verse 18 is, our text continues, says, And behold, some men were burying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Well, these distinguished men who came from all over the land were listening to Jesus teach. There were four men who were looking for a way to bring their friend who was paralyzed and lay them before Jesus. Lay him. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. It's interesting to me that, you know, as uh, as he was teaching, as he was preaching the word, in in all these, uh, these Pharisees and these teachers of the law, we're all there. In fact, there were so many people that there was no way of getting into that home. That these four men with this paralyzed man, they didn't wait. Apparently, they, they had no, no patience for, they didn't want to wait until he was done preaching for this man to be laid before Jesus Christ. This, uh, this expressed a sense of urgency. They were, they were in desperation. Looking for a way to put this man before Jesus at the moment. And so not being able to find a way in, they went up to the roof. Naturally, they went up to the roof. And they, they removed a tile from the roof. Think about this. They removed a tile from the roof set it off to the side, and then lowered their paralyzed friend from the roof down in front of Jesus. I mean, just imagine the scene. I mean, what would happen with us right now if all of a sudden we heard grinding and, you know, there was just like this un incredible sound coming from the roof itself some dust settling down things falling from from the rooftop we see an opening as as a portion of it is opened up and moved over to the side 
And then we see something being moved over. We're not too sure what it is. And it's being lowered. Lowered down, lowered down. Just look up, just like that right there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I mean, what would you do? <laughs> it would stop everything, right? We would stop and look like, what's, what's going on here? What are they doing? And, and at some point, being lowered down, you see, well, there's a man on there. Lowering down. Down, down, down. Until this man is in front of Jesus. These friends were determined. Weren't they? To say the least, they were determined. Why was that? Because of their faith. They humbled themselves. Not caring how they were thought of by the religious elite. All they cared about was their friend being healed by Jesus. It was their faith that was evident. It was their faith that was bold. And it was their faith that gave them determination. So, everyone was looking to Jesus at that point. It says here that when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. I can just imagine the four friends looking in from the rooftop through the opening, expecting Jesus to heal him. And instead what he says is, man, your sins are forgiven you. What? We didn't go through all that trouble for Jesus to tell this man that his sins were forgiven. I have no doubt that they brought this man to Jesus because they expected him to heal him, that he would rise up from his bed. And walk away. But Jesus, you see, was dealing with what was most important. His spiritual condition. Matthew 16, 26 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall man give in return for his soul? In Mark chapter 9, verse 43 It says, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell. These are tents. They're breaking down. Uh, the, the body is the very temple of the Holy Spirit if you are a believer of Jesus Christ. One day, we will receive glorified bodies. But we are far from that today, aren't we? You can gain the whole world and yet lose your soul to eternal damnation in hell. Well, 
We don't know how the man's friends reacted. We're not told. And we also don't know how the paralyzed man reacted because the attention is now turned to the Pharisees and the teachers that were gathered there listening and watching Jesus. And they were, we, we are turning our attention to them because in their hearts, they were, well, they were accusing Jesus of blasphemy. They reacted in this way in verse 21. It says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Again, all three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell us that the Pharisees were now accusing Jesus of blasphemy. They make that note. They bring our attention to that very thing that they are questioning in their hearts and perhaps Asking one another in that gathering. They weren't saying this openly. They weren't saying this to Jesus. But they were speaking amongst themselves. And the reason why they were accusing Jesus of blasphemy is is stated in what they said. God alone has the authority and power to forgive sins. He alone can forgive sins. Those who say that Jesus never claimed to be God are sadly ignorant and mistaken. The teachers of the law clearly understood that Jesus was claiming to be God in this statement. Forgiveness is the gift that only God possesses and has the authority to give for eternal salvation. But you know, these men were right. They were right in the sense that if Jesus was just a man, then he would be guilty of blasphemy. But you and I both know that Jesus was not just a man. He was fully God and fully man. So as they were questioning this, as they were discussing this amongst themselves, Jesus knew he perceived their thoughts and Address them. Verse 22. says, When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? That you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. This very moment, um, Jesus demonstrates his power and his authority. Jesus turned his attention to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the, um, the teachers of the law. And he questioned them. Why are you questioning questioning in your hearts the way you are? You see, in that moment, Jesus was exposing their hearts to themselves. The reason he asked was not because he didn't know. Jesus wasn't inquiring to perhaps understand them. He already understood them. He knew exactly why they were questioning in their hearts. It was to reveal to them that they weren't thinking right. Perhaps in that revealing of their own hearts, they would be able to confess and repent of their unbelief. 
What was their reason for thinking the way they were? What is the reason for thinking the way you do? What do you think? Is it in alignment with the Word of God? Is it in agreement with Him? This is why at times the Holy Spirit brings conviction upon us. In a very real way, it's Jesus asking you, why do you ask? Why do you question in your hearts the way you do? You see, Jesus is now in this moment providing the means to help them believe that he has the authority and power to forgive sins. And at this moment, he's reasoning with them. So he goes on from there. Why do you question in your hearts? And then he goes on to this question. For them to to think, to reason. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, rise and walk? Which is easier? Did Did you think about this question? What would your answer be? Would it be easier to tell someone your sins are forgiven? Or rise and walk? Let me ask you, which is easier to say, I love you, or to say, I love you, and I will demonstrate my love for you? Which is easier to say, I am sorry, or to say, I am sorry, and will demonstrate that I am sorry? Which is easier to say, I forgive you, or to say, I forgive you, and will show you that I forgive you? Which one's easier? The former, right? I love you, I forgive you, I'm sorry. That's easy to say. It's quite another to prove it by your actions, by our actions. But for God, this question is revealed, it's expressed, it's um, proven. To be easy, both. He can speak into existence. The universe. As he speaks, so it is. To say our sins are forgiven and to heal are both in the power and in the authority of Jesus Christ because he has the authority to forgive and he has the power and the authority to heal. The reason for this is that you may know. And he states the reason here. He said, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who is paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. He wasn't speaking to the paralyzed man, although he was speaking to all of them. But he was speaking directly to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. But he's speaking to everyone. So that you may know. You see, Jesus desired that they come to know that he is the son of God who has the power to do both. And Jesus, again, turned his attention to the paralyzed man and said, I I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and, and go home. Something that would be amazing. Beyond comprehension. In that moment when he turned to this paralyzed man, as this whole event unfolded, 
him teaching being interrupted by this, these four men who were lowering this paralyzed man into his presence. Don't think for a second that this was not a tense moment. It was a tense moment. At this very moment, Jesus was being accused of blasphemy. And now Jesus was turning to those men and he was confronting them. It was, it was filled with tension. Everyone was tense except for one. Jesus. The friends, the paralyzed man, the Pharisees and teachers, and everyone else that was present, all were filled with, with tension. But Christ, the Prince of Peace, All eyes were on the paralyzed man. The moment he said this to this paralyzed man, immediately he rose up before them, picked up his bed, and went home, glorifying God. Hey, they, they had to pick up jaws that day because they all dropped when they saw this take place. I, imid, I imagine that you could hear a pin drop in that moment. But what was everyone's response? Verse 26 says, An amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Now, as we read it in English, it kind of falls short. falls short of, of just fully expressing exactly what was taking place in that moment. Yes, every person was amazed. They were filled with a, a, a mix of emotions. Um, in one sense, they were filled with fear. At the same time, they were astonished. They were filled with wonder. What they said was that they had seen strange things. Strange things, in the original language, actually means they had seen a paradox. It's, um, it, it's against opinion. It's against popular opinion or natural opinion. They're thinking, we've seen, this is strange. This is, this is beyond comprehension. We cannot really explain this. And that's, that's all they were saying. They were, we saw something that's, that's, that's inexplicable. So they walked away. Remember that the report was going out, and it was spreading throughout the whole, uh, the whole land. They were gaining understanding of exactly who Jesus was in that day. From kind of wondering who he was to then understanding what he was teaching and then what he was claiming. And in this moment, they were just filled with wonder and awe and saying that they had seen strange things that day. That's how they walked away. But in that, they were still glorifying the Lord. Something 
that is truly remarkable as we experience that. that. That's what they were experiencing in that moment. It's beyond our comprehension. We cannot explain it. In this situation, what Jesus had done caused them all to glorify God. That day all walked away in awe. The man was forgiven and he was healed and everyone else experienced something that they had never experienced before. And that was it. And they walked away. There was no mention that they had repented and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There was one man who was told, man, your sins are forgiven. No one else. You see, all of this was leading to is preparing them to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. There are many things in your life that the Lord has, has allowed to happen in your life to prepare you to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to surrender your life to the gift of grace that the Father has offered to you through the Son, Jesus Christ. Are you desperate for the salvation of others? You know, sometimes we, we give our own standard of what being a friend is. But a, a friend that is a believer, you as a believer, a friend will reach out to others and lead them to Christ. Are you desperate for the salvation of others? 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 says, That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Imagine that, John, in writing this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, though the Holy Spirit using him as an instrument to write this. His heart was also in that place to where what he desired above all is that all would come to know Jesus Christ. I read that because that should be our hearts. We are passionate for that. We know that this side of heaven, the only thing that matters is what we do with Christ. Are you desperate for the salvation of others? These four men, these four friends, were willing to do anything to lay this man before Jesus. What are you willing to do for others around you who are lost? Secondly, what are you interested for Jesus to do for you? And I know, I I know that sometimes we are told, hey, just go to church and God will fix your marriage. Right? We're we're told that. I know that perhaps we've even said that to someone else. Just come to church. You know what you need. Come to church. Well, you're, you're addicted to something. Come to church. You've had a rough time with your job. You've been laid off. 
You can't seem to make ends meet. Come to church. You have something going on with your health. Come to church. Remember that Jesus is interested in your spiritual healing. Your spiritual restoration. Don't think for a moment that this man who is paralyzed, that his infirmity was actually used to lead these men to bring that friend to Jesus. And his physical healing wasn't what was important to Jesus, or else he would have healed him. That would have been the the only thing that he did, but he didn't. What was the first thing that he did? Man, your sins are forgiven. (laughs) You see, sometimes, as was evident in my own life, that Jesus allows certain things to take place that you would finally acknowledge who he is. You're thinking you're coming because your marriage is a wreck. And God is thinking "Mm, that finally got you to a place where you're willing to listen and to hear and and surrender your life to me. You're thinking that your health is what you're coming to for Jesus to take care of. He's saying, no, that was, that was the very thing that drove you to your knees and surrendered to me. You think that the Lord will be the answer to all of your financial woes. He says, no. That was your idol. That was what you prized above all. That's where you found your, your identity, your... The meaning in life. Whereas he says, trust in me. Walk with me. Know that there is no other God besides me. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all reach repentance. And with that, we come to the final point of application, and that is that God alone can forgive sin. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus said in John 14.6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is exactly what he desired for these men, all of them, to come to believe he's the one sent by the father to atone for your sins jesus being the son of god who was sent to shed his blood on the cross for all mankind that whoever would confess with their mouths that jesus is lord and believe in their hearts that god raised him from the dead shall be saved for everyone who cries calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved as it says in romans ten thirteen. That is the ultimate place that Jesus was desiring for these men and you to get to. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So the question for you this morning is, how will you walk away? These men all walked away in awe. They saw strange things in their own words. They saw what they would they, they regarded it as a paradox. 
But will you walk away bewildered? And so what exactly does the Lord want? He wants your salvation. He desires that for you. Let me be super clear. The bottom line, and let me make it plain. He's not, he's not, the, the, the final goal is not your marriage. The final goal is not your finances. The final goal is not to fix you in your health. It's not any of those things. It's to make you whole again in Jesus Christ. To save you from eternal hell. That is the bottom line. That is the foundation upon which now we would respond to him in love and serve him. And whatever it is that he blesses us with, we understand it's a stewardship that he's entrusted to us. And one day, if we're in Christ and we have surrendered our hearts to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then we will see him in all of his glory. That's what he desires for you and I. Is that plain enough? That's what God desires. I can tell you personally that I, as I was thinking I was coming to church, I was coming around church people, that it would be a good environment, you know, to kind of help my wife and I, and we would be better, you know, for having done so. He had a whole different plan. Yeah, oh, he's... He's more than restored our marriage after all of these years. But once we took our eyes off of ourselves and we put them on the Lord, it was in that, that, that time that I recommitted my life to the Lord. My wife surrendered her life to the Lord, and we just started walking with Him. Salvation was the one thing that God desired for us to walk in. Once we turned to him, we came closer, closer, closer. We're walking together with Christ. Don't walk away thinking you've heard strange things. Know the plain truth. Are you saved or not? I pray that this morning, and I'll put it very plainly. This morning, repent. Repent of your sins. Humble yourself before God. Call on Jesus as Lord and Savior. So be saved. Surrender your life to him. You can do nothing to earn salvation. It's all been done for us on the cross. We simply need to believe. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you what, at that point, what will begin to happen as you've been given a, a new heart, uh, all thing, behold, all things have become new You have new desire, a new purpose in your life, and the fruit of the Spirit will be evident in your life. You will desire to be around God's people, to serve Him, to hear His Word, to read His Word, to walk with Him, to draw close to Him. That's what you'll desire. That's when you'll know that your salvation is genuine. When you desire those things, do you desire those things? Father, I thank you, Lord, for your love for us. And Lord, I, I ask that, oh Lord, you would reveal yourself to each and every person here. Lord, that there would be a, a genuine repentance, Lord, a, a genuine surrender of lives to you. That they would call upon Jesus as Lord and Savior.
repenting of their sins, asking you to forgive them, to fill them with your Holy Spirit and know what it means to walk with you, to live for you, to be forgiven. And so, Lord, we, we know that this was your desire with the, those that were in attendance in this home in which Jesus was teaching and the healing of this paralyzed man took place that they would all come to know who Jesus Christ is, that they would repent and believe on him. Father, I pray that that would be evident in each and every person here. And so, Father, we, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, for there's power in the blood of Christ shed on the cross. So we look to you and we thank you in Jesus' name.